You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 389. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military sci-fi series, Stargate SG-1. So I think we mentioned last week we got our HBO Max Roku mess straightened out and the news that theater releases are going to coincide with streaming releases. I assume you've already seen Wonder Woman 84? Uh, I We just watched it last night, yeah. Okay. Now, I only saw the first hour. I mean, you know, I've mentioned many times, I think I have a low-level ADD or something. <laughs> I have difficulty sitting through a two-and-a-half-hour movie in one sitting. I did talk to my brother, whose family generally goes to the movie theater on Christmas Day to see the newest Marvel or DC blockbuster. Uh, and, of course, this year they watched Wonder Woman at home. So without going into too much detail, uh, what'd you think? It sucked. Okay. Um, I, mean, <laughs> I did not, I did not like, it. I mean, there was, there was enjoyable parts to it, you know, but overall it was not a good movie. Okay. Now I thought of you and because you know, I, I guess the one thing that took me out of the story to, you know, quote you on, yeah. on that matter and I'm not going to mention what that detail is. You can probably guess. Yeah. I'm thinking, no, they didn't. Yeah. Oh, they did. Oh, right. are you kidding me? So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that detail. I mean, you knew it was coming. Because, I mean, I, everyone, I, you know, Chris Pine's in the movie, right? We know well, that. How, okay. how, how they did that. I'm not going to say how they, how they worked that out, but it's imagine the most ludicrous scenario that you could picture in your head as how they could pull that off, and it's probably twice as bad as that. <laughs> anyway, but uh, you, you do have to like the fact that we now have that option of these big releases streaming into our home for those of us that don't enjoy the theater. I mean, I get it. I, I mean, plenty of people like it. I, I think you do. I know my brother uh-huh. does. But for people like me that don't, you know, it's the best of both worlds. And look, I I think we all know that Warner Brothers wouldn't be doing it if they thought they were going to lose money in the deal. Right. Exactly. Um, And probably a ton of people, you know, subscribe to HBO Max, at least maybe just for a month. They're, They're making money when people do that, too. So. Yeah, and I suspect what happens to a lot of people with HBO Max is what happened to me with Netflix. My wife wanted it to watch that uh, series about the Catholic priest in Baltimore at the you know abusing the the kids at the local school because she went to that high school. Oh, then and, you're talking and, Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. What did I say? Right. I, well, I, I said Netflix. But I'm just, yeah, you, you did. You did. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, and and we only planned to get Netflix during the trial run, you know, yep. watch the, that the eight episodes. Out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said to you at the time, like, dude, why didn't you tell me I should just get it? <laughs> um, so anyway, um, all right. Hey, you well, guys, well, out that's there, actually fun because you know, my, we've had HBO for, for years. Um, and I got it originally because I want to watch game of Thrones, you know? Sure. And, um, and then Game of Thrones ended, and there was some other good show that came on, some other good show, and so it just kind of compounded. And I just never, you know, I tended just to, you know, you know, subscribe when Game of Thrones had a new season. But um, you know, here it is, years later. But uh, you know, she asked me today. She's like, "So, how much a month do we pay for HBO?" And I go, "It's fifteen dollars a month." 
And she like kind of you could just see her calculating how much it would have cost us to take. Uh, you know, at, I mean, there, there's six of us, but my oldest probably wouldn't have taken him. He's away at college, so you know, if we even if just four, we just took the two girls to see Wonder Woman. How much that would have cost us to go to the theater, uh, including like popcorn, candy, soda, all that stuff. I mean, going to the theater is you know over a hundred bucks uh, for four people for sure. Uh, if we took all six of us, it could be get close to two hundred dollars for a, a trip to the theater, the movie theater. So you know that you know Wonder Woman itself pays off probably half a year of HBO. Right, it saved us know, from going to the theater. Right, and you know there'll be another film down the road that will do the same thing. So, oh, the, yeah. Warner Brothers is doing all their films like that right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen, before we get into the what we're watching, because we've already mentioned a few things or, or one thing that we, we were <laughs> watching, uh, if you want to contact us with some episode feedback, questions, you know, whatever. And uh, Craig, uh, Fred gave us some great feedback about his Christmas experience this year. Uh, the email is sci fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can record your own audio clip the way Fred does and send it as an attachment. You can join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. And, of course, that's what we recommend. Uh, but as long as we're on the HBO Max thread, you know, I've mentioned many times, my wife and I just, we, we get into a series and we just burn through it in, you know, a matter of days or maybe weeks, depending on how many seasons there are. So we're scrambling around. You know, I mentioned Big Bang Theory, and and that's kind of going to be one, I think, that we just, you know, we return to it here and there a couple episodes and then move on to something a little more serious we're revisiting the 2007 hbo series the tutors which i assume you've seen you know i i maybe said it before i started to watch the tutors and i'm like eh, i kind of know what's going to happen already you know well, i don't well, see, i think it's such a stupid reason for not continuing to watch it because i know it's a good scene. i don't but I, I don't know i i like watch i think like the first episode i'm just like eh. well and, and that's certainly something that we talk about as we're watching it depending on how much into history the viewer is you you generally know what's going to happen that that the stakes for the characters aren't what they ordinarily would be now, that said, I watched it in 2007. I'm not even sure I made it through all four seasons, and my wife didn't remember at all, although I do think she watched a couple seasons. So anyway, we started watching it. Jonathan Reese Myers as Henry VIII, Henry Cavill as his best friend, Charles Brandon, and of course, uh, as soon as I see it's Henry Cavill, of course, he's much younger, I'm like, Toss a coin to your Witcher, right? You've you've seen The Witcher, right? I have not seen The Witcher yet. You have no. not seen The Witcher, dude. I know. I haven't seen it. Yet. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why. I have. There's no legitimate reason I have for not have having not seen it yet. I okay. apologize. Well, our roles are reversed. Well, I no need to apologize. How many times have I been in your position? So, uh, yeah, um, but I mean that that's one that I mean I don't I don't even know why I haven't watched it yet. I just. Kind of like there's just always seems to be something else that I just comes in slightly ahead of it, you know. Well, I I can neither confirm nor deny that there may or may not be nudity in the series, but I'll okay. Well, that's that, you're trying to hook me in that way. All right, okay. okay. But um, no, I, you know, actually, I think the thing is when I was reading about it, it's like based on like a video game, right, or something. 
or maybe novels. I don't know. Whatever it's based off of, it sounded like you kind of had to know what it was based off of a little bit to understand what was going on. So that kind of put me off at first. Nah, you you don't need to know anything. And, okay. and it's only like eight episodes. It really, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. So uh, okay. I, I think you will definitely like it. But a- anyway, back to uh, the Tudors. Uh, Orphan Black's Mrs. S, a.k.a. Maria Doyle Kennedy, appears as Catherine of Aragon. Natalie Dormer, who you know from Game of Thrones, is Anne Boleyn. Do you know who Natalie Dormer is? Yeah, she was... Uh the granddaughter of uh God, yeah I can't remember she, she her was name. Uh, married uh tommen yeah um, well, I, actually we should talk game of thrones is it as game of thrones has has that uh you know eclipsed the uh the the time when we can't talk about it no we can't absolutely no 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 yeah. statute of limitations is long statute of limitations i think it's probably yes Yes, but uh, Sam Neill as Cardinal Wolsey, Peter O'Toole. Now, he hasn't appeared yet in in, we just finished season one, but it's the appearance of Chris Holden Reed as William Compton, a friend of Henry's that certainly gets our attention here at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch because we know him from Lost Girl. And uh, that was good seeing him, although he's also in Vikings. Right. But here's what I did not know. Okay. The guy that created and writes all of the episodes for Vikings created and wrote all the episodes for the Tudors, Michael Hurst. Really? Yeah. That that I did not know. Yeah. I didn't either until I'm, you know, watching the episode one with my wife. It's like, it's Michael Hurst. And she's like, yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, enough of that. What are you watching? Well, you know, maybe the Tudors and, and uh, Witcher I'll have to add to my list. But uh, right now, I am just too caught up in uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars to, to really give any attention to anything else. I've been chipping away. At, and since we're on break now, I've been able to stay up a little later and, uh, and watch, you know, like a bunch of episodes in the night. And that, that show is just really, really good. I know... It, uh, it might be off-putting for some, thinking that it, it's animated and a kids' show and everything. And there are a lot of kind of like simplistic kids-type plot things going on, you know. But there's also pretty some pretty sophisticated stuff going on there. And the animation is is out of this world. Um, so and I know I've mentioned it before. So um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, we talked about uh, movies being released, and of course. Wonder Woman was a big one, but actually before we watched Wonder Woman, we watched uh, Soul, the new movie from Pixar. Oh, okay. I've was, heard about it. I, I haven't yeah. really. Do you have do you have, Dis- you have Disney Plus, right? I don't, know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I was thinking about this earlier. It's like, I will probably never get Disney Plus. I have almost no interest in marvel movies um i mean if all the series for marvel end up on disney plus then you know i might have to rethink my approach because yeah. you know I, I certainly like a number of those series but well dude you might want to get it because the just the star wars universe shows that are coming out they they just announced they're they're making like I don't even know. I can't remember. It was a lot. It was like at least 10 shows uh, from the Star Wars universe on Disney+. Plus. 
and like the Mandalorian. Dave, come on. Have you have you not seen any of the Mandalorian? You know, I watched the trailer for it the other day oh, because dude, you know between you and Fred, just, I thought, all right, I got yeah. at least. Uh, I it's just I don't know, I, Dave. This, I know. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so Disney um, on Christmas Day, as HBO Max was releasing uh, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Uh, Pixar released their new ver- movie, uh, Soul, with uh, starring Jamie Foxx, and it was excellent. It was so so good. Uh, as as bad as Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four was, uh, Soul was the opposite end and was amazing. Um, it was 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 just fantastic. So uh, Tina Fey uh, lends her voice to it and everything. Um, just it, it was great. You know, one of those uh, you know very. You know, obviously, like cute kind of kid things in there, but also like a subject matter of, of life and death, and and what is a, a life and what is our purpose and things like that. I mean, it tackles some pretty big existential questions and uh, and does it really well. And it, it helps that the guy who did it is also the guy who um, my absolute favorite Pixar movie is, is Inside Out. I still, as many times as I've seen that, I still laugh my rear end off every time I watch it which my kids find both annoying and hilarious. Um, but uh, the same, same crew that did, uh, that did soul. So, uh, you know, Dave, like I said, uh, it's it worth the price of a mission. Uh, probably at least half a year of, of Disney plus is uh, what you would have spent. Well, you would have spent anything to see in the theater, but we definitely would have gone to see soul in the theater. So, so really uh, Disney plus and, and HBO max are kind of paying for themselves uh, in, in recent days. All right. Sounds good. Um, dude, we're f- over 14 minutes in and we haven't even mentioned that the Ravens now hold their own destiny in their hands but we'll you know, just leave it at that we're we've been in this we've been in a situation before where all we had to do was beat the Bengals to get in yeah, good point. so just saying hopefully they learn from from history all right and uh that's all we're going to say about that yeah all right stargate sg1 episode 11 season one bloodlines written by mark saracini teleplay by jeff king who also wrote cold lazarus and this is not the same Jeff King that's the executive producer and writer with Umbrella Academy and Continuum. I, I at first thought it was, but it, it's definitely not the same guy. Directed by Mario Azapardi, who directed The Pilot and Brief Candle, aired October 10th, 1997. We were just saying last week, when are we going to get some backstory for Teal'c? Yep. And... Of of course, we get it in this episode, and we're left with, I think, the major question, will he eventually return and bring his son and wife to Earth? And again, it's one of those things I don't remember, and I've learned my lesson about looking at IMDb to see how many episodes right. characters are in, so I don't know, but, um, you know, so so that was pretty pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we had said how he wasn't getting much screen time. He wasn't getting many lines. He still doesn't get that many lines, I don't think, but certainly more than he's been getting. And so we get a, a whole episode. You know, the writers must have thought the same thing, looking at it like, hey, we're 10 episodes in and we really haven't explored Teal. Kenny, let's, uh, let's give him some backstory here. Yeah, and it's interesting what you just said about Teal not having very many lines, even 
in a Teal-centric episode. And while that's certainly within his character, he, he certainly is heavy on the facial expressions, the eyebrow raises, um, certainly not unlike Mr. Spock. But you wonder, will he eventually open up as he gets more comfortable with the team? Or is this just his personality? Is Teal just going to be the character that gets fewer lines, even though he's on screen a lot? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you feel like they, they are really establishing his kind of strong, silent approach as being like an integral part of his character. But you're also right, too. Like, even at this point, you know, and, and Jack says it outright, like, how, how are we to trust you now? They still, I mean, Jack, it seems, pretty much 100% trusts him. You know, it, it still seems like his position within the, the team is still a little uncertain. So, you know, like like you said, I mean, it could be a part, part of that and that as his position becomes more secure, uh, he will, you know, then, you know, speak more and open up more. Yeah, because that does seem to be one of the themes of the episode, the, the idea of trust as well as sacrifice that, that comes up in this episode. But yeah, I guess it'll, we'll see how it plays out with uh with them and you know we get that cold open of the flashback where teal has his symbiote implanted and and at first we see that young boy and for me i'm thinking all right is this teal remembering his own ceremony when he had his symbiote implanted but of course it's a a nightmare where, where he sees his son and then of course dr frazier's operating on him teams observing from above and, you know, the, the whole idea that they tried to remove it, yeah, I, I certainly like the fact that they tried. I mean, it's almost a plot point that had they never tried, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense given, you know, the level of medical technology that they have. Sure. And, and you know, we have wondered about that, you know, like, basically, they needed to answer the question, is this a case of that Teal'c will just eventually die? if the gold is removed or that he can't survive at all without it. And they've finally answered that question for us that he can't survive at all without it. Like he has no immunity. Right. And there'll be a couple hours and, and that's it. So, you know, so, so again, we get some more Teal backstory about, you know, what he is and what his, I guess, not not really false, but what you know his limitations physically might be. You know, they split the team up, which as a narrative device can certainly work. You don't want to do it every week, but uh, Teal'c and O'Neill go to recover his son. But I, I want to start with Daniel Jackson and Carter, who go on their little mission to steal the gold larva. Because the first thing, though, we see Jack orders Carter and Jackson to man the gate and wait 24 hours and true to form daniel tries to defy orders i mean you could say well he doesn't really try yeah but he questions and sam of course does what they're told and you know i I like that but but, do they though well eventually no eventually they make it to the gate (laughs) but uh not before a a fair amount of uh of being sidetracked though you know well well right and you know along the way 
you know, they observe some kind of ceremony and, and, they, and they get to that, that, you know, that little building. It's a very small building. And of course, we're not clear what it is. We discover it's the a repository of larvae. I forget what the official name Braytac calls it. Uh, oh, the Temple of the Sepulchre. You do not steal from the Temple of the Sepulchre. And I'm thinking like, dude, you're, you're against. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Gaul larva yeah, being planted yeah he, he does you know, have this fine line of uh of going between the social propriety and this kind of rebellion he's trying to spark here yeah and and i mean sam and and daniel are observing as this little procession goes up and of course sam's looking at the female thinking like oh that's a sweet outfit i gotta get me one of those <laughs> Um, okay, probably not. But <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. So, so, so they get up there and they, you know, realize, well, you know, we could steal one. That's really what we need to do. And I'm thinking, like, okay, I hope they wash out that thermos before yeah. putting coffee in it. Right. When they get back to the uh they have really highly caffeinated gold in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then again, I, I I love it. Because you realize, okay, one of them's got to reach their hand in there and grab yeah. one of those snakes, and and Carter, you know, goes in. All right, on three, no, on four. So it was a great scene, and of course, Daniel, you know, wants no part of it. The fascinating thing about that scene, I mean, are you surprised what Daniel does? I am, and am not. And, and you know it, it's that's probably the 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 biggest moral conundrum of this is where do we fall on, on what Daniel does? Do we think he did the right thing or not? I mean, Sam raises a good point. Like they're just they're they're helpless, right? And right. if he destroys them, and this whole we're no better than them. Well, okay. But they're pretty bad, and if we allow them to continue doing what they're do, the badness is going to continue. So just you know, we could we could all be dead with the moral high ground, but if we want to get a leg up on the ghoul wold, uh, this is one way to do it. And, and also, you know, the idea, obviously, what he's thinking is, well, well, what he says is that this represents other human beings who are going to have their lives. Uh, take it over and of course that's a very personal uh thing for daniel so he looks like sam convinced him and then he just turns around and yeah you know and, and, and i love the way that little incident transpired because we think he's going to walk away and, and of course he doesn't and on the one hand as you imply it's it's out of character but on the other given his history with sharae it's perfectly understandable. And then he just hands the gun back to Sam because that's her weapon that, that he had, but it's that conundrum that we've talked so many times. If you could kill Hitler as a baby, would right. you? And right. how many time travel shows have explored, maybe not that exact possibility, but, but certainly that concept and really, well, I think that's... The, the, the best one was in Deadpool 2, uh, <laughs> in the extra scenes at the end, he he gets his hands on a, a time-traveling device, and uh, he he goes to kill Hitler, but he, he can't do it. He ends up uh, kind of like holding him in his arms and going, Gucci, 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 you know? So, yeah, I mean, like, the, the thing is, it's it's a baby, right? Like, as much as you can say, well, what this kid's going to grow up to be like, 
but it's still at, at the time it's 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 killing a child and that's not uh something people are naturally inclined to do right and of course we've talked about time travel shows you know so many times over the years and the fact that you've gone back in time might change the way things develop so just the fact that you've gone back maybe this little child won't turn out to be the homicidal maniac that ends up you know killing you know how many millions of uh innocents in in europe during world war ii but uh the main story obviously revolves around teal and o'neill and again they're a perfect combination it, you know when you think about the pairings you know i think tonight is about as perfect as it gets because mm-hmm. o'neill you know he, he just plays perfectly off of teal's dryness and and it's almost as if jack realizes it that any wittiness that he exudes is gonna go over teal's head and right you know like like that line you know now this of course is uh, directed towards braytac but that hole will cross that bridge when we come to it <laughs> yeah he's like no the bridge is too well defended it's like uh yeah. Yeah, all right. Actually, I'm kind of used to this with TL, so I get what's going on here. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and and the funny thing is, is that O'Neill, who is you know the guy who's used to being in charge, is kind of reduced to the role of a follower here, with Braytech being the one taking the reins. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, before we go too far, Braytech played by Tony Amendola, Woo-hoo! who we of course know as Edward Kagami from Continuum. But also from Once Upon a Time, which is a show that, again, I've mentioned, I made it through two seasons and then it just kind of petered out. But he plays Geppetto in that and he's awesome. And then he's been in, you know, just like dozens and dozens of other shows. So uh, great actor. Um, Not crazy about the headgear he and his are forced to wear in this uh, episode but you know it is what it is but but even before we get to that you know the whole idea of teal suggesting they go to chulak due to its abundance of gold larva and withholding the truth behind his request and when general hammond brings jack into his office for a one-on-one Okay, fine. And Fred addresses this in his feedback. You know, we're back to the General Hammond trope again. What aren't you telling me? I know there's something else, and we're just wondering how long it's going to take, and we know it's not going to matter. We know he's going to let them go, so why are we going through all of this? But but it is about learning to trust, and, you know, it's almost like General Hammond is – how many times do I have to tell you that I trust you, Jack, and your team. So lay it out for me. Don't hold anything back. More than likely, I'm going to, you know, be with you. Right. And, you know, tonight it was a little cheesy, you know, the whole thing that if you go through alone, you're going to die. And that's what, and that's why I'm not going to let you go through alone. I'm going to approve your, yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we mentioned how it's, you know, maybe, Getting a bit much of this whole rigmarole of Hammond says, no way. And then Jack says, please. He's like, oh, all right, you crazy kid. You know, every now and then he could just say, Jack, do you think we need to do this? 
You think so? All right, let's do it. You know, but uh, you know, like always, they they kind of know how to how to play Hammond a little bit and how to, you know, they know that they have to th- throw something out there as a reason to do this, right? Rather than it's not just to um, to save Teal's family, uh, you know, there's got to be some strategic reason to be doing it. Right. Well, they are setting up though a scenario you know, by which there's going to be some sort of a uh, Jaffa revolution. Uh, obviously, Teal'c does not want his son to go through the ceremony and become a Jaffa. Uh, apparently, Braytac is thinking along the same lines. And, and then, of course, Jack says to General Hammond, when, when Hammond says, well, how many are there? Well, one. But if there's one, there are probably others. And there's truth to that. So are they going to revisit this storyline about the you know the uh, little revolution that that Teal'c and Master Braytac have underway hopefully I mean yeah Tony I mean, well, this is great yeah there's a lot of things in this show where I feel like they're going to come back to it but they might never do that you know I mean they're it did run for 10 seasons so there's you know, loads of opportunities in there for them to uh, to even you know. I mean, you just have to imagine that within the scope of over two hundred episodes, that um, you know they revisit some of these places. And here they've already revisited uh, this place, which I can't remember what it's called, but Chulak. Chulak. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they go through the gate on the mission, and and they all come out wearing the priest's robes and i'm thinking on the one hand it's like well where'd you get the priest's robes now did they did a bunch of priests come through the gate and they kill them or they still okay whatever i'm well they could always you know make them yeah i guess and and teal i'm sure has an eye for that sort of a detail you know my wife will ask me about you know somebody uh you know what was she wearing I don't know clothes. Well, like how can you not remember? I'm like I don't know. Yeah, right. um, yeah I would be hopeless on on this uh, this team. I would, I would be like, oh, what 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 did the priests wear? Ah, they were white. Yeah, <laughs> or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course Sam. I think it's Sam notices Daniel's got his glasses on, which of course. Um, right. would stand out. And I'm thinking like, Daniel, they have contacts in 1997. They do. Now, now having said that, I tried contacts at one point and, and just gave up after a few days and I just didn't give it a chance. And my eyes aren't that bad. So I didn't feel the need to, to go through with it. So, you know, maybe there's something there with uh, Michael Shanks or I don't know if he wears glasses in real life. He probably doesn't. But, uh, but anyway, that that's a, uh, a detail we don't need to pursue, but they come through the gate. Well, you know, and- just I, I'd like to say with that, and I know Jack does take the hat off, but at the time when he tells uh, Daniel to take his glasses off, he's wearing a baseball hat. Uh, yeah, and like you said, he does take it off, and 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 we understand, you know, as the scene transpires that once they go through the gate they get rid of the robes and and are in their army fatigues and he's got his hat on now i did notice he's the only one wearing sunglasses so not sure what that's all about except that you know jack o'neill's cool and 
Yeah, yeah but those aren't, are like cool. super cool sunglasses, though. You know, yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. They're, they're, they kind of remind me of the ones that they gave my wife after she got her eye surgery here. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well, they head to Teal'c's home, and of course, it's it's a mound of rubble at this point. And and we've really never seen Teal'c show despair. And and when he gets to the side of the house, and he, I think he drops to his knees. Yeah, yeah. Almost looks like he's going to start crying. And you know, we see that symbol on the side, and of course, we don't really know what it means until. Uh, Daniel translates for us, but you know the, the fact that we see this emotion again, another side of Teal that okay, fine, it, it's there. It might be a long time before we see it again, but it's certainly there. And then Braytac shows up, and and again, I'm thinking now you just happen to be there. Okay, I get from a yeah. narrative perspective to speed right. things up, but but he does say. I suspected you might be back because of your son's ceremony. So, okay, uh, fine. I, I can roll with that. That's, that's. <laughs> sure. And, but, you know, when he, he says, I'm like, okay, well, if Braytac figured that out, wouldn't the gold maybe think that it's a possibility that uh, Teal'c would, would come back for his, you know, his yeah. son's uh, ceremony, you know? And, and he immediately starts dissing Jack's team. I could snap you like kindling, he tells Daniel. Uh, well, and that's then he, probably true, though. Like, I mean, well, it is probably true. And, uh, and then he goes uh, mano a mano with Jack. And, and of course, is then impressed that these are the humans who defeated the Gaold, including a human woman. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um. But I, I guess the big takeaway we we get from this little sequence is that Teal'c's family are outcasts living in, in some sort of squalor outside of the city. So, uh, you know, of course, they've got to find him. The, the other thing that strikes me as a bit odd, you know, they get to the camp in the nick of time. Teal'c finds his son on the table with a priest. Um, stand aside, priest. And a scuffle ensues, and I'm thinking, like, dude, you're a priest. He's a Jaffa warrior. Yeah. What makes you think you can stop him? Right. And this is like twice. Like later on, the same thing happens with with you know Braytac. You know, right. The, the the priests are like, no, back off, and like, dude, like it's just. Do the priests in this world receive like kind of some kind of special training that? Uh, that they're willing to stand up these warriors like this. Yeah. He stops the ceremony and, and then, you know, we're introduced to his wife and, you know, I understand that there are visual similarities, but when I heard her voice for the first time, I'm immediately thinking like, wait a minute, Jennifer Lopez is in this episode. (laughs) And I'm like, no, she gets 1997. And, and okay. While, you know, they're, are similarities to appearance. I still couldn't get beyond the, 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 this actress's voice just, you know, like dead on for, at least for me, for Jennifer Lopez. But, but I thought she did a really good job of getting across that idea that on the one hand, you betrayed me and your son, but deep down, I know, what kind of a man you really are. And I know you did it for 
a morally upright reason doesn't make me any less mad or hurt, but, right. and I, I just really think she conveyed that well with her, you know, just the vocal inflections and, and yeah, I understand she didn't write the lines, but, but just the way she delivers them and, and, and just the body language and the facial expressions, just, I, I really hope we see her again as well. Yeah. And his son. I mean, I, I would love to see that dynamic of Teal having a family because nobody else in the show has a family that we know of. I mean, we met Jack's, Jack's ex-wife, but, you know, Sam, I mean, she's got the crazy ex-boyfriend, but, you uh, know. Daniel has a wife. Yeah. Okay. But none of them are currently in play, so to right. speak. They're, they're not right. really part of the storyline yeah, like you just get a feeling that even if the the writers didn't have any kind of solid idea of what they were going to do with this family in the future they definitely left it as a possibility that they could come back and revisit teal's family uh, at a, in a future episode sure. i mean you no know, it could be maybe not this season but maybe you know two seasons three seasons down the road Right. We can come back to this. So. Right. And, and and obviously, depending on how many seasons down the road and how much time elapses within this story, it could be a completely different actor playing his son. Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I, I really liked when the boy awakes and you slowly see the his face light up. I knew you weren't dead. And you understand why the mother would tell him that and and, and sure. again it's it, it's an idea that we've seen in other tv shows and and, and other movies that you know your father's never going to be back you need to just let go of that and move on so you understand that why she you know would do that well but, absolutely and and you know well you know what this episode kind of pointed out to me is that his decision to help jack out i mean we knew it was kind of a Spur, well, I mean, we saw it develop, right? We saw in the pilot, we saw that he was clearly not okay with the things that Apophis was doing, probably had been thinking about this for a while. But when he actually helps Jack and joins up with him, that's a very kind of spur of the moment type decision that he makes. And, and you know, we almost forgotten about that until here when we realized that he had a family you know he had some pretty good reasons not to you know go um for him to join jack like that and to completely abandon his family that was that that was a momentous decision that he didn't seem like he really thought about it very much when he made it yeah and i guess you could argue he didn't really have much of a chance to think it through because you know of everything that was going on i mean they're in the middle of a firefight at that point but the other thing that i think is really interesting that you know should we see his wife and son down the road you know this whole idea of the religion and does teal's wife think apophis is a fake god and and that's a difficult we don't get an answer to that question, but we certainly understand that Teal'c has made that leap, and it certainly seems as if Braytac has as well, and that would be a, a a pretty big deal. 
And maybe I'm reading too much into this little scene when, when Jackson and Carter are, are together and you hear those, uh, those bells ringing and one of them refers to them as church bells and Sam's like, well, I haven't been to church in a while. Let's go. <laughs> and, you know, again, in the background of all of this is the religion of Apophis for better or for worse. I mean, um, you know, certainly we've, all got enough experience with mythological gods, both Egyptian and Nordic, yeah. and well, and and you know, it kind of like I, I'm looking at him like, did did he not discuss this with his wife ever? Because you know, she obviously is thinks that they are actual gods. And she had no idea, like really. It seems like she. It seems like I guess she that she has no idea why he did what he did. So, so I'm like thinking. I don't think he ever really discussed this with her about how he, you know, his doubts about, uh, you know, the the gold and everything, because they they are completely not on the same page at all on this. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And. It comes down to that momentous decision, which has to change his wife's opinion of what her husband has done previously when, you know, their son is dying and Jack, well, I'm no doctor, but I know scarlet fever when I see it. And he's got some medicine that will at least, you know, stem the tide at at this point. He says later, you're going to need more powerful medicine and his wife inquires as to whether you know that that your doctors can save him so you know we've we've got that little detail thrown out there but we also know at that point where the episode is heading and you know when we we talk about a grade in in a little while there's a lot of predictability in this episode and to a large extent predictability in in the series to this point and you know, for the most part, that's fine, you know, because they're still laying the groundwork. But we know that Teal'c is going to give up his symbiote. And, and of course, Jack tries to stop him. And, and I love Braytac's line, it is a father's right. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. And and I'm not sure why Jack even mo- momentarily steps in to try to stop Teal'c. Because well, I mean, you're. Right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say because you know that if Jack was placed in a similar situation with his son, he'd have done the same thing. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, no question. Um, but also, you know, I, I think it, it it basically is how valuable Teal'c is to the team and to the mission, right? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, you know, obviously Jack, as someone who's lost a son, um, would. 100% understand that there's not even a decision here for, for Teal. You know. Right. And, and of course, we know that Teal, okay, fine, he's got going to have a couple hours to live once he takes his symbiote out and gives it to his son. And we're thinking like, well, yeah, but Jackson and Carter have one in the thermos. So they'll be there in a second. Yeah. And of course, that's how it plays out. And they mentioned, well, it's, it's immature. It may not work. Dude, it's going to work. We of course it. it's going to so, work. <laughs> and, and Teal'c is, he's, he's in the, the, the pictures on, you know, for, for Netflix, right? Like he's in the picture for the whole series. So it's like, you know, obviously he's going to be okay. 
Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, you know, on the one hand, we talked about Braytac's reaction earlier. It's like, you defied the temple and, and, and the same with his wife. And you're like, what the hell are you even talking about? And still, you know, the wife holds his head as Braytac implants the, the symbiote. And then that really nice line where, where Teal'c tells his son, listen to your mother and Braytac until I return. And, and at this point, Braytac is going to train his son to be a Jaffa. I mean, well, what else can he do at this point? And, right. and I think Tilk understands that. But the difference here is that Master Braytac is not going to train him to be a slave. He's going to train him to be a warrior. And and obviously right. there there's a huge difference here. Well, unless Braytac gets jammed up for slaughtering for well, not slaughtering for punching out the priests. <laughs> right, right. You know? Right. Like, that's why I think uh, as soon as they walk through that gate, he uh, he probably kills all the priests. Yeah. I well, the team, the team eventually heads to the gate, and I, and again, I love it. Jack starts to explain the plan. You will do as I say, <laughs> Braytac <laughs> says. And again, one of the things I love about this episode is that little detail where, where Jack... I don't want to say put in his place because Jack is certainly not that kind of leader that needs to be put in this place, which I think makes it all the more funny that, that Braytag does it this way. But, uh, you know, the, the fact that he's going to promise to, to take care of Teal'c's son, you know, gives Teal'c, I, I think enough, um, that he can go back and, and feel as good as he can possibly feel about the situation at this point. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's still, uh, yeah. I mean, well, he's got to feel better about it. You know, there had to be a lot of uh, obviously unresolved issues for him, not sure. knowing he, he when he left, he didn't have a chance to tell his wife he was leaving. Apparently, he never told her anything at all about how he felt. Which is, you know, there's issues in the marriage there. Obviously, you know, at least now he had a chance to. You know, at least they know what his deal is. He knows that they're probably going to kind of be okay, whereas before he had no idea. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to feel better leaving this time around. Okay. Uh, Anything else you want to mention that we didn't talk about already? Well, uh, I mean, I just, I I think, you know, at the end, um, you know, when Sam's like, you know, when they're leaving, she's like, uh, you know, well, what are you going to do now? He's like, well, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. And I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's like, first of all, I'm going to kill all these guys so they can't tell the go old that, you know, I let you guys escape. Um, then after that, then then I'll, I'll try to cross a bridge. But I have some, you know, business at hand here. Yeah. Oh, you know, you mentioned Sam, and, and there's one thing that I meant to bring up because this is Teal's story in a lot of ways is that when he when he confronts his wife did you see the one scene where he grabs her hair yeah that wasn't great and i'm thinking good thing carter didn't see that yeah and yeah i was a little taken aback by that on you know for a number of reasons and i mean i guess we're supposed to excuse it because the well, I don't know why. You know, well, I mean, the, I, you know, the- I, I, you know I, I hate sound like an, an old fart when I say this, but I mean, even 
in nine, there's a lot of shit that's happened. Not shit. I'm sorry. There's a lot of stuff that's happened since the year 2000. And it's a different, much different world that we live in today. And for obviously for the better, right? There's a, for a lot of good reasons why things are different now than they were then. But I don't think we, if this, if we were talking about this in 1997, I don't know if we would have been so shocked by how he grabbed her hair like that. No, you're. I think you're right. Yeah, you know. So. Um, but it is shocking now seeing that, though. You're right, um, and it's it doesn't reflect well on him in in any way because no matter what, that's still your wife, dude. You know, like um, so. All right. Well, uh, what are you thinking on a grade? You know, maybe maybe a B. I'm that's thinking. That's what I'm thinking too. You know, yeah. I mean, all, all these episodes are are solid. Yes. A couple of them have been very good. This wasn't necessarily a very good one. It's not a bad one, but I think just yeah. I don't. I don't even really can't put my finger on it per se. I think probably part of what, like you said before, about how predictable it is um, and everything. Also, yeah, I, I I just feel like for overall there could be more, a little bit more action in some of these shows, you know, and there was some action in this one, but it was pretty quick, really. You know, like you thought there's going to be some kind of a, a dust up with the gold that there really, yeah, there really wasn't. So no, right, right. And they're always small skirmishes that don't take very long, which you never know. I mean, it could be budgetary. (laughs) The reason they don't do it. Right. But, well, and and that's what one thing with Fred was saying, like, ah, they're just in another kind of forested area. I'm like, well, the show is probably pretty expensive to make. You know, they had to try it. Uh, I don't want to say cut some corners, but, you know, it saved some money where they could. And uh, by not spending a lot of money on their exterior locations uh, could have been a way that they could afford to keep uh, Richard Dean Anderson on the show. Yeah, no, no kidding, because he's coming off MacGyver. And you right. know, while the rest of them are relative unknowns at that point, this is Richard Dean Anderson. So sure. anyway, all right, well, let's listen to what Fred's got for us this week, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 11. I'm recording this on Christmas Day, early morning. I prefer to record my audio feedback early mornings because then the rest of the family is still asleep and it's nicely quiet in the house. So even on Christmas Day, although for us it's not Christmas Day in the sense of we did our presents yesterday evening, so on Christmas Eve, according to German tradition, and that's because my wife is German. And what did I get as a Christmas present? A Lego set, the Mandalorian Razor Crest. So, don't laugh. Boys will be boys. Oh no, the expression perhaps should be, men will stay boys. But I thought that would be nice, instead of sitting behind my computer and dealing with tens to hundreds of emails per day and making online lectures, etc., etc., I thought I should do something with my hands. So I'm going to build this more than 1,000 pieces Razor Crest, which is, for the people who don't watch The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian's spaceship, of course. 
With us was the new girlfriend of my youngest son and she just became 16 and I felt a little bit ashamed about getting a Lego set but she was thinking it was very cool because she was a Mandalorian fan herself. Actually I've been a Lego fan all my life. When the kids were much younger, they are now 17 and 19, I went to my parents for a whole weekend and then I bought a whole set of Lego stuff which I stored at my parents and it had to stay with my parents. So the, the children were not allowed to take those pieces of Lego back home, although they sometimes wanted. But it was my Lego, so I could decide where it should be stored. Why didn't I want them to take pieces home? Because their own Lego was just a chaos. These days you buy all these kinds of sets and when young children are going to play, they just combine everything and, and they mix up everything and you cannot find anything at all when you want to build the original set. When the children were too old to play with Lego, my wife spent a whole week. I just asked her, it was not a week, it were actually three weeks. But I have to admit, our kids had a lot of Lego. She fortunately is a lover of large jigsaw puzzles, so those ones with thousands of pieces. So she sorted out all the sets of Lego so we could sell them. And sometimes we had to order individual bricks to make the set complete again. So that's the reason why I didn't want them to take my Lego home. And the advantages, they were always looking forward to go to their grandparents and we always had something to do there. So when the grandchildren were there, they were running Lego trains all through my parents' house. And who enjoyed it the most? Well, everybody possibly, but certainly daddy. Sorry for this Lego origin story. You were talking about SG1, the origin story. I really have to uh, look for that, Dave. Thanks for the tip. It was a big relief, Wayne, when I listened to your podcast that you bought the same Mandalorian set as I got for my Christmas. You should tell your wife if she's complaining that you bought this thing for $129. Here it costs, funny enough, €129, Euros, exactly the same figure. But you should tell your wife that it's a very good investment if it goes up in value in just a few days from 129 to $300. My strategy was different. I just asked my wife to give me the set as a Christmas present. So she had to buy it for me. Okay, about the episode 11 of Stargate SG-1. Of course we all recognize Tony Amadola as Master Brotok, who we all know, of course, from Continuum S. Gegame, one of the Liberate leaders. Funny thing is, he just tweeted a Christmas greeting for the Stargate SG-1 fans. I put a copy on the Facebook page. Last podcast you were talking about the General Hammond trope, that he is always objecting against the mission, and then just a little later, the team goes through the portal. This time it took quite a while, even 12 minutes into the episode, before the team went through the Stargate. I wonder whether having another much younger Ga'uld inside him will bring Tialk any changes. I noticed, by the way, that in this episode, the Ga'uld is for the first time called a symbiont, a term I actually used in previous podcasts, 
and which I took from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, where the Trill Jetsia Dax has a symbiont. I have increasingly problems with the surrounding where they film this. It's it's just a forest with some forest roads and some open areas. It's it's ah, they should vary that a little bit more. Okay, that was all for this time. Till next week. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, so Christmas Eve or Christmas Day for opening gifts. Now, for me, I mean, as kids, it was always Christmas Day. Sure. Uh, you know, once we got a little bit older and we were out of the house, and and even though we're coming back Christmas Eve, it, it you know it was more like we were opening Christmas Eve. But then, of course, then you throw the monkey wrench of getting married into it, and uh, you know, like I was like you, you know, you've got both families close by so you end up going christmas eve to one place christmas day the other place and keep your fingers crossed <laughs> yeah well i mean my wife is is jewish so it makes it a lot easier for us to uh um with the the christmas uh shakedown so we just uh we uh we usually go to mass on christmas eve when my parents come over and then uh christmas day we go over there of course this year um was a little bit different, but we did still go to my parents for a couple hours on, on Christmas Day. Right, and you uh, attended virtual mass, I'm sure. Uh, we actually actually went to mass. Oh, okay. Uh, it's only the second time I've been since like you know March, um, okay. but but yeah. Okay. Now, Fred brings up Legos, and from a generational standpoint, you know, obviously I'm a little older than you are. My brother and I just missed the lego phenomenon i mean you know lego was around but i I think we got a little bit too old for lego when it really started becoming popular and and then and then of course it's just exploded whether you're buying your lego tardis or (laughs) your 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 lego uh things that that fred and and you were talking about i can't remember what they were now it's the the rate well because you don't watch the mandalorian so good point (laughs) but it's the razor crest from the the mandalorian which um you know it was did i talk about last week yeah, I, feel I think like it so. Because yeah, 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 and I haven't opened it yet. Which I, I today I thought I would get to today, but uh, got, ended up getting busy with other stuff. Well, you so better open it tomorrow. quickly before your wife tells you. You know, I heard how much they're worth. Maybe you yeah. should sell it on eBay. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I get I get something for me and my daughter to do every year, and uh, generally I end up doing most of it she'll she'll probably help out early on for a little bit and then her um attention can't uh can't last very long but you know i i am totally down with what uh with what fred said about how these these lego sets are i find them therapeutic as hell man you know like the uh i had gotten a uh a baby yoda uh, Lego set my sister gave me for my birthday back in November, you know, like right before Christmas when, you know, I was actually, you know, there were times when just to be able to take a moment to sit down and spend just like maybe a half hour or so uh, building this uh, this with Legos like that, I just, it was so awesome. 
So it's just such a great way for me to like just kind of rest my mind, you know, I guess, uh, doing it. You don't have to really think. You can just kind of have fun doing it. And they're really, really cool. The engineering for these things is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, that it's just uh, I, I I love it. We we well, you know do a couple of years. So, well, I love you know Fred also mentioning you know you've got this you know let's be honest it's a it's a kids toy for adults and the adults like telling the kids don't even think about touching it. In fact, yeah. don't even look at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first one with my eldest, uh, we did this Imperial Cruiser. And that took ages to do just because, you know, we, we definitely, I think we worked on that together pretty much for the whole process. Like, I, I kind of now have a place where I can, you know, put all the, the Lego stuff, uh, but we didn't necessarily back then. So it was in the basement. And my youngest daughter, when she's just a baby, ended up just completely pulling it apart. Um, and so I think maybe if I get a chance this break, I'm going to try and uh, put that thing back together if I can. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Once you complete it, do you, you know, put it somewhere where it can be seen? You know, like maybe down where you record, or you know, or, or wherever. Or do you take it apart and then maybe a year or two down the road you put it together again? No, no, we keep okay. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, put have it on display. Um, sometimes I might pull them down and play with them a little bit and shoot off the, the little lasers and everything. Well, they have little plastic, you know, like kind of bullet laser things you can shoot, you know, play with them every now and then. Sure. Okay. They're, they're pretty cool. But yeah, for the most part, we just leave it up. And now I haven't, well, except for this one, which my, my daughter is going to make me uh, go and put it back together again. But I, you know, I'm not sure. And I don't even know if I, I don't have the, I'm pretty sure I don't have the booklet on it anymore. So, um, it could it could be tough trying to put this thing back together, but we'll uh, see. I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere. Yeah. Can, well, the thing uh, is, they come out with ones each year, so I don't even know what year we got it. So I'm not sure which exactly which one it is. You know. Now Fred also brings up whether or not this new symbiote is going to affect Teal'c because it was immature. I, I mean, I guess based on the reaction of Teal'c. I, I guess not. So my guess is they're going to probably uh, not make a big deal out of it. So, but but again, it's something they could. You know, it's like, oh, well, we could get we could get an episode out of this. He's having adverse effects or something like mm. that. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, um, they could actually way, I- make it where you know, like, ultimately, maybe you know, because you know they set up the possibility that they can replicate through medicine through technology what the goal does to 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 give teal'c an immune system so you know they've also so again here they've set this up maybe he has to get rid of this one but they come up with some kind of i don't want to say cure some kind of well medicine that can boost his immune system so he doesn't need it anymore all right well let's go ahead and leave it there uh, one one and, thing i do want to say is yeah. that fred uh, you'll not have to feel bad about leaving a set of uh, Lego at, at your parents that you don't want your kids to mess with. I still have my uh, Nintendo Entertainment System that I got when I was like a freshman in college. I still have that at my parents' place, and the kids still play it uh, when we go to my parents' place too. So it's all good. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for this week, and that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. 
Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate SG-1, maybe Wonder Woman 1984, anything else going on in genre world. Um, Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Let us know what you're thinking at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to discuss episode 12 of Stargate SG-1 titled Fire and Water. But until then... Actually, uh, yeah, before this uh, coronavirus, we actually had my uh, my uncle was over, and he was a colonel in the Army, actually. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm, like, working the, uh, my grill and everything. He's trying to, like, give me advice and all this stuff. I'm saying, hey, this is not my first barbecue, colonel. <laughs> <laughs>